What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. It is October 25th, and that means we're coming up on week eight in the NFL. We're almost halfway there. I guess it's between week eight and nine now, right? Because uh, you got 18 weeks in the season. All these teams have 17 games instead of 16. And we're starting to know now, and you can't say now that we don't know who most of these teams are, right? I put it out on Twitter earlier today. This is the time of year where I think we can become our worst enemy. Maybe we question things or anticipate regression a little too much. But these teams in the NFL are showing you exactly who they are, their tendencies, their flaws. Very few teams, very few coaches have the ability to drastically shift things at this point in the season. They probably are who they are, and that includes teams like Tampa Bay, teams like Green Bay. They're they're obviously flawed in multiple ways. Doesn't mean they can't get it right. Both of those teams certainly have the leadership and talent to get things right. But we'll talk more about their games this week, some other games this week. We'll go completely through the Week 8 slate like we always do. Look forward to more guests on Laying the Point in the weeks to come. Uh, these last two weeks, it was just more convenient for me to do it on my own with a very busy schedule. But next week, we should have Tony George, longtime expert handicapper in multiple sports. I've had Tony on Laying the Points before. I'm looking forward to having him on again. And the week after that, Matt Landis, a betting contributor on multiple sites, multiple companies. I've seen his name around quite a lot. He does a great job. He was at BetUS last year as well. Um, and I know he, he likes to drink beer and talk NFL. So looking forward to talking to Matt. The boys from Sports Wager University will definitely come back at some point. Hopefully we get Michael Newbert and David Lafieri on this podcast, the co-owners, originators, creators of Sports Wager University, two innovative minds and great handicappers as well. And we'll continue to have guests like that in the upcoming weeks. Looking forward to just mixing it up a little bit. And it's always good to talk on my own, too, a little solo pod, because I can bring in some some NBA conversation. So let's talk a little NBA to start this off. And before I do that, let me just say, if you don't follow me on social media, maybe now is your opportunity. Laying the points, I do this podcast at least once a week. As the NBA season gets going, I'll probably do two a week. We'll see what my schedule allows, but that's what I'm planning on anyway. At least two, maybe even three, maybe even three, you know? I like a short, bite-sized podcast, and I know most listeners out there prefer that too. I think that's why podcasts like the Ross Tucker podcast, that's part of the reason why it it does so well, right? Because it's nice, tightly packaged. They get you really good information, but it doesn't take too long to talk about any one thing. So we're we're always going to try and keep it that way. Some podcasts are longer than others. We'll try to keep this one nicely packaged today as well. But follow me at Farley Betts across all social media. We're doing really well right now. The NBA has started off 14 and 5 for plus 9 units. That's one week of betting the NBA. Took one or two days off in between two because we like to proceed cautiously as the season begins, especially while there's still NFL football to handicap and digest, along with college football. Still still, you know, still got my feelers out there a little bit in college ball. College basketball is about to come up. Obviously, the World Series is around the corner. UFC, great event. UFC last weekend had a little birthday party. Watched Islam Makachev 
take the gold in the lightweight division. That guy is not going anywhere anytime soon. I tried to warn you, I tried to warn people that he is different. And I think that's evident. I mean, you, you, he finished Charles Oliveira in the second round. I had him winning by submission after the third round. So I got a little unlucky there. One, one round off. But man, Islam is good. Really good. Phenom type shit. So he's not going anywhere anytime soon, but it's just a busy time of year. Check me out at Farley Bets. Last week, we did really well in the NFL as well. Went eight and three for plus seven units, 7.55 to be exact. So last week was a really good week. We're the number one capper at sportscapping.com. That was great to see some packages flying in there. We were the leading capper on the BetUS uh, uh, slate of shows last week. I'm on their NFL and NBA show. The one area where I didn't do too hot was Circa. We went one and four in the circuit entry that I put up at the 33rd team, three and two in my other entry. So that's the one I probably should have promoted. But, you know, chances of, of me winning anything in circuit this year are probably not too great. Um, that makes my my best entry right now is 18 and 17. Certainly not that great. Last year, we lost 28 games total. So I can only lose 11 more games by my estimation. But one thing that happened last year, and I could see it happening again for me this year, I never lose hope, is we can get very streaky, go on a streak, a lot of wins, a lot of 5-0s, and 4-1s. and ones. I'm not going to count myself out of that. Of course, they still got quarter contests and Circa Millions too. Just what a great contest they are put up by Circa Sportsbook. So check us out here at theoddsbreakers.com. Check out Circa Sportsbook. I'm promoting them for free. I don't care. That's how good they are. They treated me well. Derek Stevens and that whole crew. Check out Bet Fred Sportsbook, another good one that I know is being promoted here at the Oddsbreakers. And check us out at theoddsbreakers.com. Follow me on social media. Let's get this puppy rolling. Let me say a few things about the NBA really quickly. Let's just, you know, let's let's break it down to basics, okay? There's so much information out there these days in the sports betting world, okay? Like, I hear guys and girls say, well, I'm data-driven. I'm a data-driven better. Well, you better be. And then you go on a site like teamrankings.com, right? And they just, they list everything so easily. I love teamrankings.com, especially for the NBA. I mean, look up some of these less heralded stats in the NBA. Like, for example, offensive rebounds per game. You know who's leading the NBA in that by by a wide margin right now? The New Orleans Pelicans. A team we really like. Zion is back. He's fit. Brandon Ingram. Steven Adams, right? Just big players, physical players, physical team, physical defense, a lot of offensive rebounds. Second to that is Utah. Kind of surprised team coming out the gate. Utah winning a lot of games. Not a lot of high-profile names on that team. Uh, no high-profile names on that team anymore. Still winning. Coached well. Knicks doing really good in offensive rebounding. Things like that. Try and build your own descriptors for who these teams are at this point in the season. Obviously, if you can if you can watch some of these games, that would be ideal to kind of see the character and personality of these teams. Like, for example, Los Angeles Clippers, it's obvious they've been very open about it, that they're not going to play all of their best players every single game over 30 minutes. Just not going to happen, right? We've seen that from Kawhi Leonard already. 21 minutes in the two games that he's played. They're limiting him, easing him in. I don't know if I agree with that mentality, but it doesn't matter. From a betting perspective, 
you got to know that, right? The Golden State Warriors, Phoenix Suns, that's why I love them as, as far as betting on them goes because they're OG teams, OG coaches, OG leadership with Steph Curry and Chris Paul. And they play every every single night. For the most part, they play their guys. Now, if you watch the Golden State Warriors, it's obvious that they're trying to get some of the young bucks in their lineup more, right? Wiseman looks good, agile, athletic dude. Better on offense than defense so far, for sure. But he's good. They're easing him in. You're coming off that injury last season. Jordan Poole, too, obviously getting more and more featured. Also kind of a defensive liability, right? So you just have to take things like this into account so that you get a better idea of the nature of these teams. Teams like the New York Knicks, who I think are pretty damn good this year. Last night, I made a bet on the Knicks to cover minus seven and a half against the Magic. That's not a bet I would have made at all last year on the Knicks. I don't make that bet last year. The Knicks are so inconsistent historically. No way, especially against the Magic, who, yeah, they're one of the poorer teams in the NBA, but they'll get you. They'll catch you. You know, they they fight hard. They play hard. They got some good young players, you know, like Cole Anthony, Paolo Banchero, another good player, another good new power forward there for the Magic. But in the past, right, the Knicks kept those games close. They didn't have the kind of output offense, energy that you needed to put away bad teams. You know who's bringing that for them this year? Jalen Brunson. Dude is not afraid to wreak havoc and to drive into the hoop. He's a very, he's a, he's a spark plug, very high energy, very aggressive, not afraid. Kind of has that like Allen Iverson. He's like a thick Allen Iverson, you know, definitely doesn't have the dribble game that Iverson had, but he just ain't afraid. And, and, and that's a catalyst for any offense. Players like R.J. Barrett, right? Julius Randle, Derrick Rose, they don't have to do as much. They don't have to be as proficient or holding the ball as much because Jalen Brunson's there and he's, he's ready to go. So, you know, develop your own uh, personas, descriptors, summaries of these teams so that you can expect – and start to predict their patterns of performance game to game. These teams showing us who they are right at the gate already. Like teams like Atlanta, for example, still need some growth. Um, Milwaukee is damn good again. Washington's pretty good right at the jump, like they were last year. Solid on defense, overperforming a little bit. The Bulls kind of look like they did last year. Good, good win for them last night against the Celtics, but. Up and down, up and down. You usually don't beat the good teams. Usually can't count on them game to game. So, of course, take into account all the data. But at the same time, make it personal. Personalize it, customize it so that it speaks to you, so that you can retain the knowledge better about how these teams perform. And, of course, if you want to sign up for premium packages with me, because I I write about these teams every single day and send an email every single day to my customers, hit me up. Send me a DM. Or hit up one of the packages here at the Odds Breakers for the NBA. Planning on having another good year, and that's the way it started. That's the way it's looking so far. All right, let's talk a little NFL action. Week 8, we got a few teams on by, but I think we still have, what, 13 games to go over here. So let's get to a 13 or 14 games. I don't know, 13, 14. Going to fly through most of these, give you my leans, and then we'll wrap this puppy up. 
Baltimore Ravens at the Tampa Bay Bucks Thursday night game. Well, well, I hate to say it, but I got to say it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers can't be this bad, right? They have issues. They have issues. Moving the ball on offense for sure. I think it's a leadership problem for the Bucs. Maybe Bruce Arians meant a little more to this team than I realized. And I don't think he did that much from an X's and O's standpoint, but when you have somebody who's experienced there as the head coach who right or wrong, you can be like, well, that's what they said to do. Kind of frees up everybody else, doesn't it? And Todd Bowles, excellent defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's cut out to be a head coach. Just a little quiet, a little reserved. Doesn't, doesn't feel like very you know, influential game to game with his players. And, you know, people might question what I'm saying with that. But in the NFL, which is a loud sport, tackling, hitting, screaming on the field, pumping each other up, you probably can't be that reserved. And a huge part of leadership is influence. And right now, it doesn't look like any one leader has a great influence on this team. Who's the leader on defense? I have no idea. Tom Brady doesn't look that invested this year. That's for sure. Um, I'm sure when he announced that he was taking off Wednesday every week, he didn't imagine they would be three and four at this juncture. They were like really struggling, right? But here we are. I mean, the Bucs have a losing record heading into week eight, and the Baltimore Ravens are coming to town, and it ain't like they're going to take an easy on the Bucs. I must say, though, I do think this is a pretty good spot for the Bucs. Off to embarrassing road losses, finally coming back home. Ravens are on a short week. Ravens got a win, so they're not coming into this with any kind of redemptive uh, energy, right? Like, usually you see teams off of a loss. Okay, they're just more buttoned up than usual. Ravens, we've seen them flounder and play really clumsy, mistake-ridden football at certain points in the year, and they can't finish games. The Browns probably should have won that game. The Ravens aren't very good right now, in my opinion. Those are just two bad teams going at it, the Browns and the Ravens on Sunday. So if I'm going to take anything in this game, it's probably going to be the Bucks money line. I mean, if you would have showed this line preseason, right? And I know that's going way back. Not much we can take from preseason lines at this point. I get it. But imagine the Bucks being plus one and a half against the Ravens at home. This line probably would have been like, what, five, six? If things have gone the way we thought they would go. So... Uh, seems like inherent value here on the Bucks. Tough call, obviously, because they've looked disgusto. But still like the Bucks. That's the way I'm leaning right now, anyway. Broncos at Jaguars. Jaguars are two and a half point favorites at home again. Jaguars could definitely make a case. Probably should have won that game against the Giants. I can't really make the same kind of case like I just made about the Ravens, right, and the Browns, because that's what the Giants do. The Giants are taking over games in the fourth quarter, and you got to give them a lot of credit. And the Jaguars did not do the same thing. They didn't take advantage of opportunities. They couldn't get the ball. Uh, they couldn't get a completion. You know, Trevor Lawrence couldn't get a completion a completion to save his life at the end of that game. Credit to the Giants' defense. But it's, it's just a sign of an immature team, probably stunted last year under Urban Meyer. And now they're still a little stunted. And you talk about stunted, here come the Broncos with Russell Wilson, who apparently has Wolverine blood. Not so much there, huh, Russ, because you didn't play last week so much for Wolverine blood. 
Um, but Brett Rippian and that offense again didn't do much again last weekend. Why would they with Brett Rippian at a quarterback? But that defense on Denver is pretty damn good. Jacksonville's defense is feisty. So kind of lean the under in this one. It's pretty low at 39, but it makes sense. Uh, but also lean the Broncos because both of these teams need a stimulant. Could be a field goal game, even at plus two and a half. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe one team is down by one point, ends at two points. So still value on the Broncos, if you ask me. Again, the Broncos are who they are. They're not a good offense, but they can perform better against a Jaguars defense that's been a little porous now a few weeks in a row. And if and then if the Broncos can finally get their run game going a little bit, they can absolutely hang in this game. If they get their pass game going with their defense, if they can get ahead, they should straight up win this game. Not, not many more thoughts about these two teams other than that because you just can't count on them right now, can you? The Bears at the Cowboys. Bears are nine-point underdogs on the road. Totals 42-and-a-half. I think the Bears figured something out on Monday night. And that was another one of my circuit plays. Another circuit play on the Patriots that lost. That's okay. I know a lot of people took the Patriots and Survivor. I took the Bucks and Survivor last week. I mean, if you're in a Survivor contest this year and you're still in it, you have one of the best chances ever to cash in on some money. I'm in a bet online contest. Um, that only that started off at 19,000 people. It's down to 100 people. No, I'm sorry. I started off at 9,000, down to 100. But still, that's wild. Circa Survivor is under 200 people. I believe it's closer to 150. And that's Circa Survivor. There's a ton of, there's like 6,000 people in that contest. <laughs> that's insane. Um, so bad year for Survivor, but I think the Bears figured something out. Their defense is steadily improving, too. Matt Eberflus, I believe that he is a good defensive coach. He certainly was with the Colts, and now we see it. Every single week, less mistakes, less mistakes from that Chicago defense. I think he simplifies it. The Manning brothers were talking about that. That's a good thing when you're going up against the Cowboys because Dak Prescott and the Cowboys have a pretty underwhelming offense so far. I mean, the run game is okay. Dak looked okay, but they really, they're not a juggernaut. They're not explosive. Some of that is offensive line play. Some of that is lack of chemistry probably between Dak and his wide receivers from being out. But the Bears are feisty on both sides of the ball. And you got to take the Bears a plus nine here, in my opinion. You can't take the Cowboys. I mean, you can take the Cowboys a minus nine. Maybe a better thing to do is tease down the Cowboys a minus two or minus two and a half. But I, I can't take the Cowboys a minus nine here. They're not showing me enough, enough on offense. And really – if, if the Lions don't make more supreme mistakes at the end of that game, the Lions probably should have covered that line against the Cowboys last week too. You know, we're just seeing that a lot, right? And that's why teasers, I posted on Twitter, teasers are really dangerous this year because you have teams who are historically great and who, and who, and who historically correct themselves, like the Bucks and the Packers and the Patriots. Um, and the Rams, right? You have teams who just like everyone's expecting them to get right and get back on track, and they're heavy favorites in some of these games, and they not only do they not cover, but they lose straight up. And then you got kind of phony favorites, right? Like phony favorites like the Vikings in the past, and and they're covering. So it just makes it makes teasers tough 
on both sides. Teasing down a favorite scarier than ever. And teasing up a dog scarier than ever because, again, some of these subpar teams are covering as favorites, as like four, you know, four point favorites or so. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not suggesting to play a teaser here, but that's about the only way I could play on the Cowboys. Raiders at the Saints. Raiders are two point favorites on the road. Totals at fifty. This this total is going up, and I agree with that movement. I don't think either defense is going to really have much effect on the offense. I like the way the Raiders are moving the ball, especially like what I'm seeing from Jacobs. Um, he's running really well this year. That's opening up the passing game a little bit. Feels like we're seeing some obvious growth and maturity from the Raiders and their offense as they play together. You know, if there's one thing we learned this year, these new coaches and uh, many NFL teams, it's taking a long time for them to come into their own, right? Especially on offense for them to adjust. Now the Raiders, better form, starting to produce at a higher level, especially in their run game, but overall offense. They do have better pass rushers than the Saints. The Saints are back at home, and they put up a, a lot of points on the Cardinals, 34 points, almost, almost came back to cover and win that game. Didn't happen. But the Saints can clearly move the ball, and they still have the talent with Alvin Kamara. Maybe Michael Thomas even comes back in this. So I like the over in here and then slight lean to the Raiders because they're looking a lot better on offense. And I trust their defense a little bit more at this juncture. I mean, the Saints ain't stopping shit right now. Um, but the Saints are at home. Pretty good spot for them to clean up. So nothing nothing too bullish for me on that one. Panthers at the Falcons. Panthers are four and a half point dogs on the road. Totals of 42. Falcons as a favorite is interesting, especially of this amount. I took them at six and a half. I'm sorry. I took the Panthers at six and a half because that line was wrong. Now we see it drop very quickly to four and a half. That makes more sense, but I would still lean Panthers here. I'm not necessarily buying that the Panthers are like a good team because they beat the Bucks. Like no one's saying that, but PJ Walker can do some things. I mean, he can move around certainly better than Baker Mayfield. Um, he's throwing with some confidence. Maybe Steve Wilkes, their new interim coach, it's just, you know, making them a tougher team, a more tenacious team. Their defense has been good all year. They can get after the quarterback. They're good against the pass. And they're also pretty good against the run. 4.1 yards per carry allowed. That's top 10 in the NFL. So I think the Panthers can hang in this game. We know the Falcons, that's what they want to do, right? They, they want to run the ball. That's all they want to do. Um, and it makes sense. You know, Marcus Mariota is doing a good job at facilitating those bootlegs and they're they're keeping their run game going even with Cordero Patterson out. It's impressive. But I think the Falcons kind of fell back down to earth last week against the Bengals. Bengals kind of showing everybody how to stop the Falcons, how to limit their offense. I think Panthers can hang around in this one, so lean to the Panthers. Steelers at the Eagles. Steelers are 10.5 point dogs on the road. Totals 43. And I like the Steelers in this one. I at least lean in their direction for now. I like that we're still getting 10 and a half as well. Look, the Steelers defense has been pretty good the past two weeks. I like how, how they're fighting harder, at least it seems. I mean, they were like sleepy the first five or six games. They're starting to fight now a little bit, contesting passes, getting to the quarterback a little more, playing way better against the run. And is there a chance that the Eagles get sleepy in this one coming off a bye? Or sometimes a team that's been as hot as the Philadelphia Eagles, they kind of, you know, they come off the break and they're a little slow, they're a little sluggish. 
right? Lose some of that momentum that maybe has kept them afloat. Ten and a half points in the Battle of Pennsylvania. And Kenny Pickett is still throwing with confidence, even though he's making mistakes. I think Kenny Pickett and their defense can keep them keep them in this game. And I don't think that the Philadelphia Eagles have true matchup advantages in their secondary in this game. And the Steelers have some good wide receivers. So if they can create some opportunities in space, of course their run game is always the liability because they don't really get that going. So teams know when they're going to pass it and they can close that gap on coverage and anticipate it. But if they can get their run game going a little bit here, big if, probably won't be that great of a run game for them. But I think that they're going to be feisty just because it's one of those spots where the Steelers can just hang in games like they've shown us the past two weeks. Of course, they beat the Bucs straight up, and they played well against the Dolphins. They didn't produce points, but they played well. They were in that the entire time, and that was a big spot for the Dolphins at home. So kind of impressive that the Steelers hung around. I like the Steelers in this one at plus 10.5. Slight lean to the under two at 43. Um, I could see this just being a defensive game, especially if those Eagles are sort of sluggish coming out of the, out of the bye week. The Miami Dolphins at the Detroit Lions. The Lions are three-point dogs at home against Miami. And the total is at 51 and a half. Uh, first of all, I think that total is a little too high. Um, you know, Lions aren't putting up many points right now. Dolphins defense isn't that good, but Jared Goff, I mean, you shake him up a little bit and you we've seen what happens, right? If they can get to the quarterback – at least confuse golf a little bit, which the Dolphins defense can do that. Um, maybe the Lions don't produce as much. And the Dolphins are, uh, you know, Tua just got back. You know, we're not, not really seeing the team we saw to start off the season. It looked like it could be potentially a juggernaut. So slight lean to the under here, although the fact that it's going up is a little weird. Maybe both of these teams get right on Sunday. And if the total is going to go up, that has to favor the Dolphins at minus three, right? Maybe the Dolphins keep figuring things out. I don't really have a lot of thoughts in this game in particular because two teams that are just kind of like, I thought the Lions would be better, and then they just keep on, you know, they just keep on not answering the call, right? They just like week after week. I mean, you're, you're coming off a bye, Dan Campbell, and that's how you show up to Dallas. Now, they were more competitive than, than the final score will indicate. But, again, just mistakes, turnovers, um, you know, unimpressive play on defense, again, overall. You know, started off the game a little better, but, you know, as the game went on, it kind of showed who their defense is once again. I don't like this game. I doubt that I'm going to have a play on it. The Arizona Cardinals go to Minnesota to face the Vikings. Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home and totals at 49. This line, I believe it opened at six, which is insane. Unfortunately, I didn't get that line. I did take it at four-and-a-half. And now this is down to three and a half. And again, I agree with this movement. I'm not saying the Cardinals are a very good team, but I know the Vikings are not a very good team. And the Vikings defense especially is more porous than people think. That last game they played before the bye, they got almost doubled in total yards against the Dolphins in that game and still ended up winning and covering. How? Who the hell knows? Things have been bouncing Minnesota's way, which to me just means there is significant evidence that it will bounce the other way eventually. The Cardinals are going to get feistier and feistier with DeAndre Hopkins back in the lineup. 
right? He just he's a matchup that you can expose and create space from. Makes a big difference, just like Tyreek Hill and these star wide receivers do in an offense. And I love that for Kyler Murray. They finally got their run game going a little bit behind uh, Eno Benjamin, who looked pretty explosive. Maybe, so maybe James Conner being out isn't that bad of a thing, or maybe they have more of a dual threat at running back than they thought. I like the Cardinals in this one at plus three and a half. I like them, you know, this whole time, and I still like them at plus three and a half. And I think they could be a live dog. And anytime you think a team can straight up win, might as well take him, especially if you're getting the hook over a field goal. I'll say this. The Cardinals are an interesting team as the season ends because if they can play better on defense, and they have a little bit, I mean, the Saints gained a ton of yards on the Thursday night football game, but they were coming back the entire time, right? It was almost like garbage time for two quarters. Um, that's not much of an indictment for the Cardinals defense to me. This can be one of those teams that depends on their offense and does just enough on defense behind some experienced players on their defense, right? Like J.J. Watt. So the Cardinals are interesting. Ultimately, are they like a Super Bowl team or contender? Absolutely not. I mean, did you see that exchange between Cliff Kingsbury, who, in my opinion, seems awfully soft, and Kyler Murray? Like, Cliff is, you know, cowering to Kyler Murray. Please, you know, don't, don't, don't yield to your five foot seven quarterback, bro. Like, that's not a good look for you as a coach or a man. Uh, but uh, Jesus Christ. But that being said. Um, you know, they don't have the right chemistry to, uh, to go all the way, but they have they have enough going for them, and they have certainly enough talent on offense to blow teams and blow defenses like the Vikings out of the water. So I, I, I like the Cardinals in this spot. We'll see what happens, but I'd be surprised if they didn't cover that line. There's my – if I'm going to have a free play, a free bet to offer on this podcast for all of you, that's it. Take the Cardinals this weekend. Patriots at the Jets. Patriots minus one and a half on the road. Totals 40 and a half. Of course, the Jets lost Brees Hall for the season. That is some sad shit because Brees Hall looked fantastic as a rookie running back out the gate. Explosive running again, even last week in Denver. That's a tough place to run for big yardage. And he did it again. He broke out for that long touchdown run. That's a significant loss for the Jets. And to me, now it feels like more of the offense is going to be put on Zach Wilson's shoulders. That's not good for the Jets, and it ain't good going up against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, who now are going to be pretty pissed off after what happened on Monday Night Football. Bill Belichick has always kind of struggled against running quarterbacks. He certainly has against Lamar Jackson in the past. Justin Fields is better than people think. I think we saw that. I spoke about that when I talked about the Bears game this week against the Cowboys, and I think Bill Belichick is in a pretty good spot to correct some wrongs here. I don't know what's going on with their offense and what they're doing at quarterback, but they have a week to figure that out. So leaning on the Patriots here, I think that could be a game where they, you know, where the Jets have some sharp regression back to the mean and they, you know, finally lose a game here because the Jets have been playing really well, really good defense. But, you know, eventually if your offense isn't producing much, and then especially your star running back is out, tough, tough situation for the Jets. Totals of 40 and a half, 40 and a half, excuse me and I lean to the under. The Tennessee Titans visit the Houston Texans. Interesting game here. Texans are two-point dogs. This line has come way down as well. Totals 40 and a half. I believe it was at four and a half in favor of the Texans. Let me, uh, you're going to hear some clicks as I talk because I'm going to check on that. 
No, okay, okay. I was I was speaking incorrectly. It was at three, but still moving down to two under a field goal at home. I think the Texans are a live dog here. Um, they play the Titans really well. If you look historically the past few years, almost every game is really close, goes into overtime, etc. cetera. Uh, Titans aren't doing much in these games. They're just really well coached. You know, they're kind of like the Giants. They're getting outgained almost every week. They're getting big plays on defense towards the end of the game. They're getting a few sacks. But the Texans, they're at home. This is a good game for them to get right. And they should have covered that game last one. Oh, my God. Just another circuit play that I cannot believe did not cover. They were going down the field on the Raiders with a chance to score a touchdown and cover that line. Davis Mills throws a pick. And, you know, night night termite for the Texans covering. But I give a lot of credit to the Titans, just like I do to, to the Giants, just really well-coached teams. But eventually regression does hit in these cases, and the Texans can handle a team like the Titans. I would lean Texans plus two and straight-up money line, believe it or not. I wouldn't pick I wouldn't pick the Titans in Survivor. I'm seeing a lot of people pick the Titans in Survivor this week. Mistake-o, in my opinion. Giants at the Seahawks. Giants are three-point dogs on the road. They just keep on getting disrespected, bruh. Totals are 44 and a half. Um, the Giants should be three-point dogs on the road still. I know, I know, I know. Giants fans and et cetera, like Chris, what are you talking about? Um, all the Giants do is win, baby. I know, six and one, six and one. But last time I checked, the Seahawks are five and two. Really impressive. On top of the NFC West, who the hell would have thought that? Sit down, 49ers and Rams and Cardinals. The Seattle Seahawks are in first place. Isn't that crazy? But I'm sorry, they're four and three, but still, they're still, they're still in first place. Um, Seattle's good, and they have an offense that is explosive, and Kenneth Walker looks really good and explosive and, and, and young, right? These young running backs, the way they come into the NFL, it's like, it's like we're not used to seeing it, you know, because we're seeing some of these other running backs with just a lot of wear and tear on the old wheels. Kenneth Walker looks fantastic. Um, their passing game is still explosive. Geno Smith, Smith is still throwing with a ton of confidence, easy for me to say. Uh, and their defense is improving steadily every week. I mean, they gave Justin Herbert problems last week. I mean, they dominated that game. Look back at the stats. That is not fake news that they beat the Chargers last week. Going back home, the 12th man is a thing, and it's basically like saying this is a pick here because the 12th man, I would say, is worth even more than two points. I mean, they're a significant difference maker up there in Seattle. Really tough travel spot for the Giants going from Florida back to New York, I would imagine, to practice, and then over to Seattle right before bye week. I would lean towards the Seattle Seahawks, even though my Giants, again, did it again. Fourth quarter, kept the game close, ended up leading by three and then by six and making life really tough for those Jaguars to win. Ultimately, the Giants won. I don't know if they're going to be in that cushy of a scenario this week. Our next game, Washington Commanders at the Colts. Colts are minus three at home. Totals at 40. Colts, obviously, maybe a response spot for them after that loss to the Titans. But they're starting Sam Ellinger at quarterback. Jonathan Taylor still doesn't look completely right. They're not even trying to run the ball as much as they should. Meanwhile, the commanders are finally running the ball like they should behind their three-headed monster at running back, J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson, 
and Brian Robinson Jr. Of course, J.D. McKissick didn't do as much in the run game, more of a pass-catching back. Um, but they totaled 166 yards against the Packers at home, and they kind of just take on the persona of Taylor Heineke, right, who was efficient, two touchdowns, six yards a pass, threw, threw a pick, but ultimately wasn't the reason why they lost, right, like did enough. Like that's the Taylor Heineke story. That's why fans like him because he's going to fight hard. He can run around. And I think the commanders might be the more dynamic team in this setup. And they're on the road, not a great spot. Colts need to get right. Commanders coming off a win. So that's that's what will probably keep me off this game. But lean towards the commanders, believe it or not. And it's a little juiced up at plus three for a reason. No thoughts on the total. I think it's about right. Uh, probably going to be low scoring, but you know, the chances that it goes over 40 in an, in an NFL game uh, with two offenses that want to continue to do more, probably a little bit higher. I, I know some sharp people who like the under in this game. I just I just don't like it as much. The 49ers coming off an embarrassing loss at home, which I loved the 49ers last week. Didn't amount to what I thought. Kansas City puts up 44 points on that defense. One of the top five defenses in the NFL, according to most experts. I think they still are. They're just going to continue to get healthier, so they'll be okay. But the Rams are coming off a bye. Two weeks for the Rams to hopefully figure some shit out on their offense because if they don't, they could get obliterated in this spot by the 49ers. We've known the we know that the 49ers have owned the Rams in recent history almost every year. Shanahan best McVay. Maybe not in the playoffs last year, but otherwise they have. So lean towards the 49ers at only minus one. I don't like what I see from Jimmy G in a lot of cases. He looks shaky. He doesn't look confident, but he might not have to do a lot here if they can jump out to a lead and rely on that run game. Christian McCaffrey looked pretty damn good, and they got up to a 10-0 lead, but then the Kansas City offense did what the Kansas City offense does. I don't think the Rams are capable of that at this point, but coming off a bye, maybe they're better. So not a strong play, but a lean towards the 49ers for me. Total's about right. Although I could see it going under because these Rams, all, I mean, they're almost a surefire under team, right? A, a lot of still really good defense and not producing much on offense. So lean towards the under. Packers at the Bills. Aaron Rodgers is going to use this game, and he's already using this game as a reason for the Packers to step the hell up. And they need to because – like Aaron Rodgers said on the field, he's like, what the fuck are we doing? I think that's what he said. <laughs> um, what are you doing, Packers? Because you're incredibly inefficient right now on offense. Last last week, under, a, under 200 yards passing for Aaron Rodgers. 38 total rushing yards for the Packers and 232 total yards against the Washington Commanders. They only had the ball... For 22 minutes. You talk about a team that needs to establish a damn run game behind two talented runners and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I don't know what's going on with that offensive line or their play calling, but holy shit. They just have such a talented roster on both sides of the ball. I want to take the Packers here. I'll say that. I want to take the Packers. But the Bills have obviously been a juggernaut at home. I think they've outscored opponents like 70-something to 10, something, something like that. Um, so it's not like we can feel confident in the Packers, even with this line. The, the Bills deserve this line. 
right? I mean, they beat the Steelers 38 to 3 and they beat the Titans 41 to 7. So I, I, I wasn't wrong. 79 to 10 margin at home. But eventually that has to that has to regress a little bit, I think. They're not gonna just blow out every team by 40 points at home every single time. And you talk about a spot like if the Packers won last week, this would be a spot, right? Bills minus eight or something. You know, you take the Bills. But the but the Packers are very desperate. You can't go three and five and facing a better NFC North. Vikings are better, Bears are better, Lions should be better. I don't know if they will be. You you can't go three three and five right now, Packers. So I, I think the Packers give it, they're all ready to die in the field. Lean Packers, lean over, because it's probably gonna come through their offense. Because I don't know if anyone's stopping the Bills offense in Buffalo. Night game, too. Them boys gonna be drinking, boys and girls. Everyone's gonna be drinking and partying all day leading up to that one. Well, that's gonna be some atmosphere. Final game of the week eight slate, Bengals at the Browns. Bengals are three and a half point favorites. And I guess I could give this away as a free play too, folks. I'm probably just going to keep on riding the Bengals. Ride the Bengal as long as I can. I don't believe in the Browns. Bad team, flawed team, really questionable coaching decisions by, by Stefanski where they should clearly be running the ball and they're putting the ball in Jacoby Brissett's hands to make things happen. It's not happening, and instead what we're seeing is a is a very clunky Browns offense and a very flawed Browns defense that still can't stop the pass. And here comes Joe Burrow off of a career performance. I don't care that it's in Cleveland. It's the Battle of Ohio. I think the Bengals could annihilate the Browns. I really do. I think that's why we see that little trickery minus three and a half over the hook. I think the books are trying to bait you into taking the Browns. I'm probably I'm probably taking the Bengals in this spot. And I, I wouldn't tease the Browns either. I'll put it that way. All right, ladies and gents, thank you again so much for listening. Follow me at Farley Bets across all social media. Follow me at the 33rd team at BetUS TV here at the Odds Breakers, of course. And thank you so much for all of your support throughout this NFL season. NBA season is here and we're kicking its ass already. Let's keep it rolling. Let's get some damn wins. And let's fucking go and check you guys next week.